Hello, my beautiful people. You are tuned into the Planter Podcast, where we focus on faith, growth, and lifestyle. This is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their God-given purpose one conversation at a time. I'm your host, I'm Yoshodi, and I am so grateful that you have tuned in to the Planter Podcast. What is going on, my beautiful people? It is your girl, Damia Shodi, the host and the creator of The Planter Podcast. So grateful that you decided to listen. Whatever time you're listening to this podcast, it is a pleasure to be able to speak into your life and then also encourage you to live out your life with passion and with excellence. So on this episode, I actually have a very special guest and me and my guests are gonna be speaking about how to pivot in your process and in your life, and then also how to develop excellence as you're pivoting and shifting through your process. So for those of you who, you know, you're trying to follow what your the vision that you believe God has for you and, and what brings you that passion and that fire, and maybe during your process it's been a bit difficult, or you just need that encouragement to know that you're in the right place, well, then this is the podcast that you are going to listen to or want to listen to and that you should definitely share with a friend. So I would love to introduce to you my guest, Adiola Boyega. So Adiola is a professional makeup artist and beauty expert with over 10 years of industry experience. Adiola has worked for big beauty brands such as Clarence, Lancome, Bobby Brown, and currently for Pat McGrath's Labs as the UK National Education and Artistry Manager. Adiola has become well-known for her skin-first approach to makeup, highlighting the importance of investing in great skincare to achieve makeup-ready skin. She creates tutorials online and educates on how to get signature glowy look, and she has built up a loyal following of glow getters. So this episode is going to, I promise you, it's going to encourage you where you are as you are, so helping you nurture your life at the level that you're at. And I mean, it really blessed me. You're going to even hear it in the episode. I was like, oh my gosh, girl, like I needed this. And she was also just so, just so great and open and authentic in the journey that she's been through to get to where she is. So again, if you need that, just a little bit of hope for today that you're in the right place, this is going to be the episode for you. Now, I do want to mention this through the episode. You may hear some interesting sounds. It's just what comes up sometimes with podcasting, random pops and stuff like that. So just don't mind those random things. And also before we go, or before I go, I wanted to reintroduce to you the devotional. I've been mentioning it for the last couple of episodes, but just in case you haven't downloaded it yet, it's called the Stay Grounded Devotional. It's a five-day like plan that you can sit down with the Lord, especially for those of you who consider yourselves visionaries, creatives, and entrepreneurs, because I know a lot of you that are listening consider yourselves those things and you're called to be those things as well. So this would be a really great devotional, a five-day devotional for you to sit down with God and get a fresh vision and fresh instruction on what you should do, especially for this year. So again, it is a free devotional. It will be in the show notes of this episode. 
So just check in the show notes and you can download it for free. All right. So I will speak to you in a few seconds on the episode. Bye. Hey everyone. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about how to pivot and develop excellence in whatever field you are and whatever position that you may find yourself. And I have the most excellent guest to talk about how to develop excellence where you are. And that is my wonderful guest, Adela Boyega. Hi, (laughs) thank you so much for having me, Tammy. Honestly, Adela, I'm so excited for this conversation and just for everybody to get to know who you are, learn about your story and just see your amazingness. Thank you. (laughs) That's so lovely to hear. And I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be great, especially with the new year happening and, you know, people are looking to have some motivation and to hear people's like story and purpose. So it's really exciting. Yes, definitely. So I've already read your bio and people have a sense of who you are, but I really want you to dive deep into your journey and really explain to us how you became like the amazing beauty educator that you are. Thank you. So I have always loved beauty, you know, um, as a young girl growing up, it was something that I, you know, would gravitate towards very easily and naturally. Um, you know, when when young girls talk about, you know, when they grew up, um, I would, you know, use my mum's products and try them. And I remember being at secondary school and if I had any like money spare, like pocket money or whatever, the first thing I'd want to do is go and buy like a magazine and go straight to the beauty section. Um, and, you know, I never thought of becoming a makeup artist or going into beauty. It didn't really resonate with me until I went to university so I completed my studies and um, did a degree in media and communications knowing that I wanted to go in beauty in some capacity but not knowing exactly how or in what way maybe as a beauty journalist or as a presenter there were so many different avenues that I thought I wanted to kind of go down Um, but I always knew that beauty was where I wanted to kind of um, root myself and it wasn't until I went to university completed my degree and actually realized I love the creative aspect of makeup and so I thought okay well I'm gonna do my degree I'm gonna get that down but I think I'm gonna explore the avenue of becoming a makeup artist um I would do my friends makeup when I was at university I just had this real fire and passion for it you know I wanted to kind of retrain and I think to commit to wanting to retrain after doing like three years at university is a real commitment and it was a real um it was a real opportunity for me to kind of really explore something else because I think, you know, when you commit yourself to doing something and, you know, the extra work that it is on top of already doing a degree, it really made me realize that this is something that I wanted to do. Um, And yeah, it's been 10 years since I graduated from university. I've had such incredible opportunities and moments. Um, And yeah, I'm here where I am today. I currently work for Pat McGrath Labs as their UK artistry and education manager, which is, you know, an incredible role. And I'm really honored to work for the most influential makeup artist in the world, but who's also a black woman. Um, and previous to that, I actually worked at Bobby Brown as one of their pro makeup artists. And that was one of my biggest dreams. You know, I always thought that I was going to work at Bobby Brown for years, you know, for the rest of my life. And it was a real dream of mine. And I was so grateful and happy to have achieved that dream of being a pro makeup artist doing all the major fashion shows for London, Paris and New York Fashion Week 
Um, but then when the opportunity to work with Pat came along, it was a real moment of growth. It was a scary moment, but it was a real pivotal moment for me. Um, and I'm so grateful that I actually did it because I think I've grown so much within the year and a half that I've been with the brand. So I actually am going to, you know, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into your story because I think mm. you laid a good foundation mm-hmm. and I really want to touch on two points. So one thing that I've heard you know, you speak about on other platforms is you, you know, you went to school to get a certain degree, the degree that you got and you thought Mm -hmm. that's what you wanted to do, but you realize like, look, I don't really understand, you know, what, (laughs) why I went and why I got what I, what, you know, the degree that I got. And I think a lot of us end up in that place. You know, Mm. I know that I, you know, that's part of my story too, going to school and just being like, oh my goodness. And then what happens is you feel like you've maybe you've wasted your time or the skills that you've attained, mm. well, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to use them, which is a lie, but it does come up and, and people do feel that way. So yep. how do you feel your process through university has prepared you for what you're doing now? Yeah, great question. And I think a lot of people resonate with that because I, you know, know a lot of people, a lot of my peers that went to university, did a degree and are doing something completely different. You know, when I tell people that I did media and communication studies, they're like, oh, but you're a makeup artist now, you work in beauty. Um, but it did lay a really good foundation for me in terms of um, realizing what I didn't want to do. You know, when I went to university, I think I thought that the whole idea of me doing this degree was I was going to be working at a glossy magazine and, you know, um, doing public relations at, you know, a really, you know, fancy um, beauty agency. But what it showed me was that it was very much not like that at all. You know, there was no element of working on magazines. It was very different. I was doing um, subjects like minor studies and things like sociology and psychology, which I enjoyed to a de- to, to, to a certain degree, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so it really made me realize that it's so important to follow your passion because when it got to the end of my degree, I'm not going to lie to you, like there was no passion there, there was no drive, there was no sense of me, you know, wanting to kind of like achieve the best. And it really made me realize that if you don't do what you love, you're only going to give a certain amount of effort. Um, and I'm quite lucky that my mum, she's actually a teacher herself. And I think, you know, when you are brought up in a, a background, especially an African background, you know, you're you're told that you have to do a certain type of um, a study or um, become a doctor or become a lawyer. Um, and there's so many people out there that are, you know, working in fields that just don't fulfill them, that don't give them drive and purpose. It's like paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I think my mum saw that so much with the kind of, you know, students that she would teach that she really kind of never forced me to do a specific type of thing. She never said that you have to do X or become X she always knew that I was good at a a lot of things and that was very creative but she really nurtured that in me Um, and so you know there were so many different avenues I wanted to go down when I was growing up I remember one time I wanted to become a pediatrician I remember I did my um, work experience at a hospital but I realized it wasn't for me because I'm such a sensitive person that you know I I always give kudos to anyone that works in that field because how you're able to kind of leave your work at work and not bring that home is, you know, is, is such a big thing. And, and for me, I really needed to have a job where I could, you know, offer some sort of help and guidance to people that also kind of supported others, but also gave me a lot of joy and pleasure. And I always love beauty. And so I feel really lucky that I work in a field that 
not only does it give me purpose and I really enjoy it, but it's something that motivates me and makes me want to become a better person, which I think is so important, is to do what you love. Um, I think that's such a key thing. And that's the reason why even after I finished my, my studies, I still wanted to continue, you know, um, educating and learning. And even to this day, I still do, um, because that's the thing that's going to keep you going because life is hard. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I think what I grabbed from what you said was you got the courage to be able to pivot. Mm. You said that you figured out that you, what you don't want to do. And yeah. I realize in life, it we have to kind of sometimes go through a journey to just figure out that point. Right. That this is not what I want to do. Yeah. And then you also said to follow your passion. Mm. And, you know, I, th- I think it's so great that your mother was so supportive in you just really living out what brings you that passion and following that yeah. and just pursuing, you know, what's really on your heart rather yeah. than what I guess only makes sense or mm. feeling constrained to one position because this is what you've done your whole entire life or this is what you studied or you know this is what people expect of you so getting that courage to be able to pivot and just like you I wanted to be a pediatrician that was like my thing (laughs) growing up but yeah no I realized as well that that is not for me because I'm I'm sensitive too I'm like oh my gosh like I can't like these kids be sick I'm just like right "Ah." and I really (laughs) want to kind of like touch on that as well in the sense of um, you know, life is a journey and sometimes, you know, it's the bad things that you go through and the experiences that are not always pleasant that sometimes bring you the biggest lessons. You know, yes. sometimes we're always looking for, you know, that pivotal moment or the good. But actually in life, I've learned that, you know, things that I learn about what I don't like are just as important because that helps to guide you and ensure that you don't make certain mistakes or you don't follow a path that's not meant for you. Um, You know, it really taught me, you know, what my strengths were, but also what my weaknesses were. And another thing that's really important that I feel is is so important is that, you know, everybody has their journey and what what it is that they want to do. You know, no one is in competition with you. But the one thing that you can bring to the table is that if you are passionate, you're willing to go so much more harder for what it is that you want. Um, And so for me, that's always been a big thing. You know, if I was doing a job that I wasn't passionate about, there's only a certain level that I would get to before somebody else will come along and say that they're better because they would want to kind of like outrun me and, you know, do more because that's their, their drive. That's what they live for. That's what they love. And that's why it's so important to do what you love, because if you don't, you're not going to give that fight. You're not going to push yourself. You're not going to strive to become better because it's not something that brings you joy. And that's why it's so important to do what you love. So many people are in jobs where they're not happy. You know, they don't find joy. They don't find pleasure. They're just doing it because they feel like they need to pay for this or pay for that or just to live. But honestly, even if, for example, one of the examples that I can give you was when I first started out um, wanting to go into makeup, it was always no. Everything was no, 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 no. And I just knew that I wanted to work for Bobby Brown. That was a brand that I wanted to work for by any means necessary. I had another job, it was paying well with another, you know, a makeup brand. And it was good. I was doing well. It was, you know, working as an account manager, but it just wasn't my passion. I wanted to become a makeup artist. And I remember telling my manager at the time, and she was like, no, you might as well just stay where you are. You're doing well. But I just knew I could do better. Like there was something more for me. And I remember leaving that job, going for another job at Bobby Brown when I finally got the position that I had been praying for, but it was less money. It wasn't, you know, um, as fancy of, of, as a role as what I was doing. I wasn't a manager, but I was doing what I loved. And 
literally the catapult in terms of getting to another level that was even surpassing what I was doing previously was so much more quicker because I was so hungry to ensure that, okay, what, what's the next avenue? Okay, how do I get there? What do I need to do? You know, and so that's why I always say to people that just take the risk, you know, pray about it, um, you know, know what it is that you're looking for, know what it is that you're striving for, you know, speak to people that are in those industries that you want to go through because sometimes they're able to give you the advice that they weren't able to get before. And that's really, really important. So when you have that passion in front of you, that's the thing that's always going to keep you on that trajectory to, to go where it is that you want to go. And I know that your story is, you know, not even linear. And I know that you just spoke about, you know, a little bit twists and turns about, mm. you know, getting to the Bobby Brown job that you wanted. And you were at Bobby Brown for, I believe, six years. Yeah, six Correct. years I was at Bobby Brown. Yeah. So even before that, too, you were even having to do um, another job that maybe maybe was not considered. Uh, I, I think I was listening to a podcast that you were on, and I think you said you worked at Boots. I mean, yes. for those who are in the U.S., <laughs> they may not know what Boots is, but it's like a it's like a convenience store. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing that I loved about you is you took those opportunities, and like you said, that passion that you had, you made sure that you did your best. You went above yeah. and beyond. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to my next question for you. How do you develop that excellence in your work? So wherever you're placed, how do you continue to be excellent where you are? A really good question. Uh, for me, again, it boils down to, you know, wanting to always put my best foot forward. And I and I always feel that, you know, that whole saying of your first impressions count. You know, I'm always thinking that the impression that I give, that could be somebody that could potentially give me an opportunity one day. Or that could be the opportunity that I could have to lead me to where I wanted to go. So, you know, when I graduated from university, I didn't have the skills acquired to become a makeup artist. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was working for an agency. So as an agency girl, what you would do is that you would sign up to an agency and then they would send you to a different position every single day. The money's not great, but at least I could put my foot in through the door because you know, at that time, 10 years ago, I mean, everyone now can say that they're a makeup artist. You can be self-taught, you can watch YouTube and you can learn as much as you want. And that's great. But back in the day, if you didn't have a portfolio and you didn't have somebody that, you know, had a reference for you to kind of say that, oh, well, Adiola is a, you know, a great makeup artist, they wouldn't look at you. They wouldn't take your application. Um, and so I was applying for all these major brands, just getting no, no, no. But just something was inside of me telling me, no, you just got to have to do it. You're just going to have to keep on going. And so any opportunity that I had, I was looking at as in like, this is going to be the step that's going to get me to where I want to go. So I would, you know, go to the agency job every day. You know, one day I'll be working on fragrance as a perfume girl, like spritzing fragrances at people, you know, telling them, oh, you know, buy this new fragrance or another day I'll be on the Dior counter or another day. And I was loving it because I was thinking, well, this is where I can build up my CV and say that I've worked at this brand and that brand. Um, And it was just a good opportunity for me to kind of do the roles that I wanted to do. And the roles that I was applying for weren't fancy roles. I just wanted to be working on a counter as a beauty girl, you know, being able to apply makeup, learning as much as possible. I would sign up to any course available where I could just learn. I was just, I've always had that knack about me. Like, I've always been somebody that's hungry to learn. I always want to learn new skills. I'm very inquisitive. Like that's just how I've naturally been. 
Um, and so I remember wanting to work at Boots um, because, you know, they have all of the major brands there. And a really good story that I can give you as an example was I applied for a role for a beauty consultant. So essentially what I'll be doing is working as a general consultant across all beauty departments. So obviously Boots has their own cosmetics line called Number 7. And then I would also look after the fragrance section and then also um, electrical beauty. So anything to do with like tools or beauty gadgets and stuff. I applied for that role and I didn't get it. And then I think a couple of weeks later, I applied for a general sort of um, sales assistant. So that wasn't even anyone working on beauty, just working in the beauty, like in boots, um, but across all departments. So I'll be like as a cashier at some point, or I'll be stocking shelves. And I remember always looking like, oh, I want to work on the beauty section that like, I would literally go over there at any point. If I saw a customer and they looked a bit lost, I'd walk over and like, you know, pretend as if I had the role. <laughs> <laughs> like literally just kind of like being brave and that's the good thing about being young is that you don't really care you're not as fearful as what you are or you're not worried about people's judgment um and then the vacancy that I applied for or another vacancy in the beauty department came up um one of the women that had been on there for years was suddenly leaving um within me within two weeks of me started starting to work at Boots as like a sales assistant and I remember I go to my manager and I was like I want that job and she was like okay well that's fine but you're gonna have to apply for the role because there's other people that want it and I was just like okay and I remember I did this mood board and I was like talking about all the things that I would do and I remember going for the interview and I literally prepared for it like it was like a a presentation that I was doing at university and honestly that was the thing that allowed me to get the job before like other than this one other candidate it was down to me and one other girl and I remember like I literally went in there and I was like selling them a dream. Like I will do this and I'll bring this much sales in because I just wanted that job so badly. And yeah, I was there for about a year. I learned so much about customer service. I was able to learn about, you know, skincare, beauty. And it's really funny now because, you know, when I look at, you know, my Instagram, a lot of people come to my um, platform wanting to learn about skincare and, um, when I first started out, all I wanted to do was become a makeup artist. But now the big thing that everyone's talking about and the thing that I've always spoken about is skincare. And, you know, sometimes it's those like different avenues and journeys that you go along are the things that kind of, um, you know, get you to where you are now. Because one of the first brands I actually worked for was Clarins. Now, when I worked at Clarins, I loved it, but it was mainly a skincare brand. But I did it because I was like, do you know what? Again, it's one way for me to get my foot in the door. But actually, when I speak to people now, I say, had I not had had that role at Clarins when I first started and learned about skincare, like that passion that I have for skincare, I wouldn't probably have now. You know, there was the pros and cons. You know, one of the biggest factors is why I left the brand at the time was because there wasn't anything in terms of representation for me. They didn't even have foundations in my skin tone at the time. Um, but I learned so much about skin. And actually, it was a blessing in disguise because now what I'm really known for is I love skincare and I kind of put that into practice when I'm doing makeup as well. So yeah, you know, even like having this conversation just really makes me go back and really think about like how faithful God is in terms of how he really allows you to kind of go through certain things and it all makes sense in the end. And that is very encouraging. And there are so many things that I picked up from, you know, just your journey. One of the things that I like to say is, there is something to pick up along the way, like, you know, along the different experiences that you've had, mm. basically summing up that 
nothing has gone to waste. So I can rephrase that again. Nothing has gone to waste in your journey. There is something that you've picked up in every area that you've been, even if it was Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, five years ago, that continue to prepare you and and propel you to where you need to go. And, you know, I asked you that, how do you develop excellence in your work? And there were certain key points that I picked up from you. First, it was, you know, presenting yourself well. So first impressions were Mm. a very important thing. Preparation. You said that you prepared for the interview for the job that you wanted you were bold. Like I was laughing when you (laughs) said that you went to people like, Oh, do you need some help? (laughs) I was just so hungry. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and the thing is now if I try and do it, I'm like so nervous and it's such a shame that as we get older, we become so sort of like fearful of things, but that drive and that hunger that you have when you're young, like keep, like hold on to it because it it really does get you places. You're right. You are absolutely (laughs) so right. I remember as a young kid, I was a figure skater and I would go and help. Wow. Yeah. It, it's so strange. Like people are like, what? You're a figure skater? And I was like, yeah, I used to do that. I used to help random people on the ice. Like, oh, I see you're falling. Do you need some help? But now you can, <laughs> like now even having a conversation, sometimes people I'm like, okay, hi. Okay, bye. <laughs> right. So true. So your boldness and then having a teachable spirit, uh, mm. you know, being willing to be in an environment and pick up what you can learn from where you can and then mm-hmm. that adds to your story yeah. now i actually have a uh, another question that i yeah. need to know for me and i think for other people as well how do you overcome the rejection that comes when you put yourself out there and you may not get the response that you are looking for mm, that's that's a very tough one <sighs> you know i still struggle with rejection now um I think you know one thing I will say is that when as individuals I feel like we do we we deal with rejection in very different ways you know when it comes to my personal life and relationships I struggle with rejection it's one of the hardest things that I have to kind of like deal with but when it comes to my working environment I guess because I know myself and I know what I have to offer Rejection for me is always like an opportunity for me to try it again in a different stance. So classic example, you know, when I first went for my role as a pro makeup artist at Bobby Brown, I didn't get it the initial time. I was doing a role that was what we called a featured artist that was essentially a very similar role. So I would be traveling the whole of the UK. Every day I would get a rota or a roster saying that you're going to be in this city one day and then another city one day. And essentially that's what a pro makeup artist would be doing, but a little bit more elevated. So I felt like I was already doing the job anyway. Um, Again, with that job, I applied for it. It was actually meant to be in another territory or another region up north, but I wanted it so bad because I just knew that that was going to be the next step to get me to my dream role. And so I applied for it and they were like, but if you apply for this role, you do know that you're going to have to relocate. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And so they gave me the role of featured artist, but I was literally living out of a suitcase five days a week. So I live just outside of London now. All of the um, stores that I'd have to visit in this role that I was going for would be in Scotland, Birmingham, Manchester, like way, way out of you know my local area. And so every day I would have to travel, then I'd be living in hotels for a whole week. And I would literally like bring all my stuff home, clean them, and then be ready for another week of travel. And I don't know how I did it, but I did that job for about seven or eight months. And I was tired, but I just knew that this was going to be the role that 
was going to get me to where I wanted to be. And so I remember it was only going to be a temporary role. Um, and then I was going to come back to my old role. So I was like, okay, I've done it now. At least I've had the experience. I love it. So if the opportunity arises that, you know, I could go for that role permanently in my area, I'll go for it. But I was ready to kind of go back to my old job. I was, I think I was working as an education manager um, in Oxford Street in London. And then I remember coming back and they were like, oh my God, you've done so well. We actually want to create the role for you, but in your region. And that was just amazing. And I just knew that if I had not made that sacrifice to kind of travel constantly and do that job for about six or seven months that I did, they wouldn't have offered me that role that I wanted, but within um, my area. And so I continued with the role, loved it. You know, I was traveling outside of London sometimes, but it was really kind of like building me up for the next role, which was going to be my dream role. I knew as soon as I started at Bobby Brown, I wanted to become what we call a pro makeup artist, which is basically like you're globally recognized to work for the brand, but also within the UK. And then you could do all the things like fashion week and stuff. And also there wasn't anyone in the UK on the team that was black. And so I really wanted to be like a voice or an ambassador that really represented somebody like me, because, you know, one thing I loved about the brand was it was all about be who you are and, you know, um, celebrate yourself. But there wasn't anyone that I could look up to that was doing, you know, what I wanted to do. And so it was really exciting to finally have the role um, or, you know, have the prospect of doing that role um, at some point. And so after I was doing this job for about a couple of months, um, I applied for the pro role. And I was like, I'm going to be a shoe-in. Like I've spent, you know, seven or eight months like traveling up north. And, you know, I did that and it was a huge sacrifice. And I've now been doing this role in the south and I went for it. And I literally thought I was going to get it and I didn't get it. And that was really, really tough because I literally felt like, well, what, what else could I honestly do? Like I literally relocated for this job and it was tough, you know, because I really had to humble myself and think, do you know what? There's obviously room to grow and learn. What is it that I need to do? I know that I'm good enough to do that job, but there's obviously something that they want that I'm not doing. And it was hard because, you know, there was peers that I could see that, you know, well, I felt like on my same level, but they got the job, but then I didn't. And so I had to really kind of take a step back and be like, you can't get everything that you ask for. You're not always going to get the things that you, you know, you work towards. Sometimes there's going to be, you know, blips in the road. Um, and it was such a real learning curve for me. But then that's when I really learned that lesson of never let your standards slip when you face rejection. So what I mean by this is that if you apply for a role and the company that you've applied for or that role that you've applied for, they say no. The worst thing that you want to do is then turn around and have a bad attitude or, um, you know, just have like a sour taste in your mouth because that's what they want to see from you to make them feel like they made the right decision. So, for example, if I had this really negative attitude, which I had for a certain you know, time, I'm not going to say that I was perfect, but it really opened up my eyes is that that's what they want to see. What they're not going to be expecting is you showing up to your job and showing that you really want this and bring your A game even more. So if you were given 100%, give 110%. Because one thing that people can't take away from you is your grace, 
your um, ability to kind of be positive, even when, you know, times are difficult, your ability to kind of keep standing, even though you've been kicked down a few times, no one can ever take that away from you. And they can never argue and say, oh, well, you know, look at how you acted when you didn't get that job. You know, look how you acted um, when you weren't given the opportunity, like you're just, you know, throwing your toys out of the pram, you know, go there and show them that actually, you should have given me that job. Look what I can do, even at the level that I'm at. So imagine what I could do if you give me that opportunity and that chance. Um, and that was a real eye-opener for me because when I eventually did get that role, I literally felt like I was so ready and I was willing to give 110%. And I probably wouldn't have done that had I just been given the role when I wanted it. So I hope that makes sense. Wow. No, it <laughs> definitely made sense. I mean, you honestly were really helping me because that is something that, you know, I continue to struggle with this feeling mm-hmm. of, you know, when I apply for this or when I'm doing that and I get rejected and it almost feels like, am I not good enough? Am I not, yeah. you know, like what is wrong with me? Like what, was there something more that I could have done? I've given it my all. But yeah. I love that you said that you know what you have to offer, mm-hmm. you know, when you get rejected, especially in these uh, career you know, when you're trying to advance in your career. And to me, that just reminds me of owning your value. So you know that you have value. So even Mm -hmm. if they reject you, it doesn't take away from the value that you know you have to offer. And I love the second point that you made that never let your standards slip when you face rejection. Because it's Mm. true. It's like, look what you missed. But you know what I'm saying? But it's okay. (laughs) You know, stay humble about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't act out. Like, yes, you know, it's like, you know, being in a breakup. And, you know, afterwards you just want to like act out and, you know, get upset and get angry when you just have to hold your head high and realize, okay, if you don't see my value, I have to just move on and, you know, take what I've learned from the situation and, and do better for next time. At least now I know, okay, is this for me? Is this not for me? And what can I do to make sure that I'm even better for the next opportunity or the next yes. situation that I go into? Yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely. I, I definitely see it doesn't take away your value. Mm. Rejection does not take away your value. I'm saying yeah. that for myself and I'm saying that for other people <laughs> yeah. too. And, yeah. and and that is the truth. Yeah. And again, it's an opportunity to, you know, I always think of, as a no as an opportunity to kind of think, okay, well, what can I do to become better? What mm-hmm. can I do? And also as well, do you really even want that opportunity? You know, because sometimes you can work so hard for something thinking that's, that's was, that is what is meant for you. But it's only until you actually have an opportunity where someone's like, no, well, you feel rejected and you think, did I really want to have that opportunity? Was that really meant for me? Or is this some, you know, is this a sign or is it God telling me that you need to like look at another way, another avenue? Very true. Very, <laughs> very true. I could even go into a whole story about that in my own <laughs> life. But yes, yeah. um, so many gems you're dropping. I'm just going to say Thank that. You. Sure. <laughs> So how do you continue to keep growing and staying relevant in your field? Because, you know, you mentioned that you're somebody who's, you know, you want to stay consistent in learning what's going on and what's Mm -hmm. happening in your field. So how do you do that? How do you just continue to stay educated and relevant? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm always seeking ways to become better and, you know, one of the things that I will do is I will always seek out like online courses or masterclasses that I can attend, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, like if there was like a makeup artist that I really aspired to, um, you know, learn from, 
I would, you know, buy, you know, um, any of their content that they were sharing, whether it would be digitally or go to masterclasses. So I remember, you know, some of the, the makeup parts that I've attended, like trainings from, like Mario, Makeup by Mario. I went to one of his first ever um, makeup uh, masterclasses that he did in London. And it's just crazy now to look at how big they are because when I went, I remember sitting at the front with my friend and Makeup by Mario, Mario was literally like, two meters in front like that's how close we were whereas now he does like stadium levels or you know before corona happened but stadium levels like literally like auditoriums which are huge and again that's testament to kind of see like drive and willing being willing to learn because you know his story is very similar to mine in the way that he started off working in a sephora like a department store and he would get so much negativity of people saying oh you're never going to become anything and look at him now you know he was doing makeup and hustling for 10 years or even more before he became known as like you know kim kardashian's makeup artist and um, there's an incredible makeup artist called danessa myricks and um, i went to one of her um, london master classes you know i'm always trying to learn from people that are already ahead of me in my journey um, because I feel like they have already been through the things that you're probably going to come across and so who better to kind of give you guidance and tell you than somebody who's already been on that journey who's willing to tell you about you know well avoid this pitfall and you know make sure that you don't spend too much money buying this for your kit because you don't really need it like there's just so many things that they've all said individually that I've literally learned um, I think it's so important to have a mentor you know, somebody that you trust that you can learn from. Um, because I never really had that until I actually got into my career. But, you know, those little pockets of information or, you know, those people that really guided me and gave me opportunities have really, really helped. Um, and so, yeah, all of these things, you know, really make a big difference. But yeah, you yourself have to take responsibility and accountability about wanting to advance yourself and grow and learn. And it doesn't always have to be expensive things. It could be little things like watching YouTube, um, you know, Googling things and um, practicing. You know, that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to work on a counter, because the ability to learn and to practice your craft it was so invaluable to me when I first started out because imagine like you're working on the counter, the amount of customers that you would see every single day that would come and want to have their makeup done. That was my opportunity for my whole day to learn about how to do makeup, but I was getting paid to do that. Like that was my job. So I was fulfilling my passion, but I was also getting paid for it. And so that was something that really, really helped me because, you know, one of the things that maybe I wasn't my strongest point was like eye makeup and so I would always say to my manager okay anyone that comes in they're going to a party and they want to learn how to do um, eye makeup or they want to have their eye makeup done send them my way because I knew that that was an area that I wasn't great at and so I wanted to kind of practice and learn as much as possible um I paid and did a makeup course which was really expensive I remember I just came out of uni university imagine you're a student like you don't have any money and I managed to save like nearly £1,000 to do, I don't know how I did it, but I saved £1,000 and I went and did like a, um, a course at um, uh, an academy of makeup in London. And it was only for one week. And to be fair, there wasn't anything that was major that I learned that I hadn't learned already. But again, it was that opportunity for me to get that certificate to say that I'm somebody that's committed to learning and wanting to become better 
Um, and also just being able to network and meet other people and the opportunities that it was able to afford me. So we would have, um, you know, key makeup artists or beauty brands that would come and, um, you know, do talks and presentations about what to get for your kit and products. And actually how I got my job at Bobby Brown, or one of the ways that I first applied for Bobby Brown was because I um, went to one of their sort of masterclasses and the pro makeup artist at the time came and she did a demonstration. And I was like, yep, that's the job that I want to do. And I remember I went up to the PR lady and I said, I want to work for Bobby Brown. Like, how do I do it? And she was like, yeah, just give me your CV. And I sent her my CV. Um, and actually, I, didn't, I wasn't successful the first time um, when I applied for that role. But again, like that was that boldness that I had, just knowing that certain opportunities that would come my way from me learning and networking and being in the right place at the right time would allow me to get me to that next step of wanting to get to where I wanted to be. Your story is so humbling, you know, because I'm just, I think the phrase that as you're speaking about how you continue to stay relevant and educate yourself, the one thing Mm -hmm. that comes to mind is good things take time. Yes. And they take investment. Mm -hmm. I think what has happened in this age, especially, you know, the age of the internet is we see things like, oh, get 10K in one month or Mm. do this, build this business in six months. And I was actually just having a conversation with my mom about this, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that could be true. But at the end of the day, really good things that have strong foundations take time. And they take investment when you Mm -hmm. don't even necessarily have the money or quote unquote the time. So it takes time to build a foundation because somebody could look at you now and be like, you know, she's on Instagram. She gets paid partnerships. She works for Pat McGrath. She does this. She does that. Like, where does she come from? But you're seeing the accumulation of 10 years of work and being teachable. And I think that's the one thing that comes to mind as you're speaking that ability that you have to just have a teachable spirit and to really take every opportunity and learn and and grow and it's really honestly you're really ministering to me as well and it's really grounding me in my journey of Mm -hmm. just moving forward and you know I'm in the right place and this is just what happens when you're trying to advance and go to the place that the Lord has for you you're gonna have to be in positions that you know, are not necessarily the vision that he gave you, but they're going to train you for them. And yes, you're going to get no's. And yes, you're going to have to invest that money because this Mm -hmm. is what's going to help you, you know, get your skill. And I was actually having a conversation with a friend. I said, you know, if you, if you want to be a big boy, you have to be a big boy. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning that if you really want to be, especially as believers, like, you know, because sometimes we can really play subpar because we're like, oh, God, got it. But it's like, no, if you really want to be with like the people in your field, because I'm really, you know, one thing that I focus on, especially through my podcast and then training people through my course is like, look, I'm trying to train you to be with the, the best of the best not no mediocre stuff so in order to do the best of the best we have to train like we're the best of the best exactly you want to be a big boy you got to be a big boy (laughs) so you know your story is just it's just reminding me of that and it's just the grace of god is just so apparent in the journey that you've been through yeah honestly and i love that you said that about you know god will god will give you the tools to do what it is that you need to do but you can still drop the ball i always think you know people that train to be athletes 
are not perfect. They've got God-given skills, but they have to do the work required to get there. Um, there's a really good book that I've read. I think it's by um, oh, it's by a guy called Mike, Malcolm Gladwell, and it's called, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's such a really good book. And it talks about the fact that it takes about 10,000 10, hours of practice um, for you to be able to uh, acquire the skills for you to be able to get to where you are. So even if you have passion, that's a small part of it. But if you're not practicing, if you're not nurturing yourself, if you're not building on your expertise and growing and developing, um, how are you going to get to where you need to be? And I think sometimes we do get like that. Like we get to a point where we get to a certain level and we think, oh yeah, well, you know, I've got this gift and I'm amazing, but then you don't um, develop it. You don't do anything with it. There's so many people that have god-given talent out there but they don't nurture it they don't do anything to kind of make it better so the book is called outliers it's by um malcolm gladwell and it's such a good book it just talks about different people in different fields and the level of training the things that they've had to master to get there and it just makes you realize that this whole idea of overnight success it comes to some people but it can be lost just as easily you know, when I think about people that are experts in their field and that have done really well is because, yes, to our eyes with social media, especially, it looks like, oh, they've had like overnight success. You know, you know, they've done a post and it's gone viral on Instagram. But when you really hear their story, there's like 10, 15, even 20 years of hard work that's gone on behind the scenes that no one knows about. What we see is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, you've really ministered, I think, to so many people through Thank you. just your experience and your story. So how do you gain the confidence to put yourself out there continuously and develop your own identity as a creative? Because we really get to see your personality, your makeup style, and just you almost every day on social media, on Instagram. And I'm like, wow, she's so bold in the way that, you know, she puts herself out there, the content that she's creating. And you can tell like, no, this is Adela. Adela is not trying to be like anybody else. This is just who she is. So how do you gain that confidence to continuously put yourself out there and then just develop your own identity? So if I tell you that I'm naturally a very shy, reserved person, you wouldn't really know because I think sometimes you know, Instagram especially gives this really false sense of um, it's it's something that you can just do to kind of put a wall up to say, look, like this is me, you know, I I can talk about things and I am, I'm very confident when it comes because I've done my research, I know what I'm talking about, I engage with my audience, um, I do a lot of research to figure out what it is that they're looking for. I think when you have a uniqueness about you and you're authentic to who you are, it comes naturally. You know, these aren't things that I'm just learning about because I feel like it's the in thing. Now, these are things that I look to um, learn about in my own personal time because it's something that I'm passionate about. And so that's, that is why it's so important to do what you love because all those things are going to come naturally. Like me, you know, being uh, camera facing and talking come naturally to me because I'm talking about things that I'm passionate about and that I love. Um, but, you know, it's it's not always easy. And I think Sometimes you have to be very careful about, you know, um, looking at people and admiring them and saying, oh, they're so bold and they're so confident because you don't always know um, 
you know, what they're dealing with behind the scenes. And so, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I talk about on my platform, and actually I've only started talking about recently, um, you know, more so in the last year, is that I struggle with depression. And it's something that has been, you know, really, really hard for me to kind of even understand myself. Um, I go to therapy, you know, every two weeks and it's been so helpful for me because it's allowed me to really work on myself as an individual. Um, but one thing I really learned is that I use social media or I use my career as like, um, you know, this forward facing presentation of myself that, you know, I do because I really want people to kind of see that side of me. Um, because, you know, personally, I'm having to deal with the fact that, you know, not every day is a great day. I have some real lows, I have some real struggles, but I can, you know, present myself to the world and make it seem as everything is okay. And, you know, what we always say is that Instagram is the highlight reel. You know, it's a thing that people kind of put up, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so sometimes when people meet me, they're like, oh my God, you're so confident and you know what you're talking about. And it, it, it's true. I am a very confident person when it comes to my career. Um, but personally, there's so many things that I need to work on within myself. And so I'm really glad that I'm on this journey of healing because I want to be able to have that element of myself where I can really show who I am and my personality more on Instagram. But that is not always the perfect um, person I'm trying to show. It's also me on my down days. It's also been me, me being honest with my audience and saying, actually, you know, I don't have great days some days. Like yesterday wasn't a great day for me. Um, and sharing that because you don't know who else that you're helping. And one of the biggest reasons why I started my journey to become a makeup artist and, um, you know, work within beauty is because I struggled so much with my weight, um, my appearance, how I felt, how I looked about myself or how I felt about myself and how I looked, I should say. And so I went into it wanting to kind of be my own makeup artist and be my own experts so that I could have the confidence that I could go out there and face the world. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think has really drawn people to me is that I'm not only just talking about beauty from a superficial um, aspect, I'm talking about beauty in all aspects, you know, healing yourself um, on the inside, just as much as you are on the outside, because when you feel good about yourself inside, when you love yourself truly, when you're able to kind of accept yourself for your bad parts and your good parts, that's when you can truly be who you are and um, present yourself authentically. And so that's what's really, really important about, you know, my journey is that it's not just about beauty and makeup or, you know, showing myself as being a confident person. It's about me as an individual and how I got there through learning to, about makeup and all these different, you know, parts of myself. And so, yeah. Um, you know, I had this conversation, I was even having a conversation with my friend today about how, you know, when people meet me, they don't know my journey a whole lot. They don't know all the things that I've been through because I don't always like talking about those aspects of um, my past. But one thing I will say is that, you know, I'm always learning that your past and what you've been through or any, you know, trauma or any sort of negativity, it doesn't have to define your destiny. And so I'm a real testament in terms of you know, how God has really allowed me to kind of pull myself out of certain situations that haven't always been the best, but how I can create the life that I want for myself. And that's really, really important. And that's the message I'm always trying to push people to see through the content that I'm creating, whether it's beauty, you know, it's about making the best of yourself, you know, how you look, how you feel. These are all very important things. Thank you for your transparency and sharing your humanness 
and just, you. you know, bearing who you are. Mm-hmm. And it gives encouragement to me that, you know, even our broken pieces are still useful for the Lord and he's still mm-hmm. going to use them and beautify them in some right. way. And yeah, just the different struggles and what we've gone through and, you know, maybe what we don't like about ourselves or the feelings that we have in regards to our situations and all of those things can be used for his glory. So that's what I got from, you know, even just because I was even going, you know, in a like, okay, how do you, you know, get creative and all that? But Mm -hmm. no, you were just like, this is what it is. Like, this is, this is just the reality of it. So I appreciate that. And if you had one seed to plant, what would that be? So a seed meaning a life lesson that you live by Mm -hmm. or something that you feel like everyone should know, what would that thing be? Um, I think, you know, what I'm learning is you have the power to create the life that you want. Um, I think, you know, all too often we look at setbacks, we look at, um, you know, things that we've gone through, we look at the negativity that we have in life and always look at that as being something that's bad or I can't get this or I'm never going to get to where I want to be. But I'm testament to the fact that no matter your start in life, no matter what you've been through, you can really create the life that it is that you want. You know, you can take control of that because no one else is going to do that for you. You know, Um, even God, he's going to give you the gifts that will allow you to get to where you need to be. But if your mindset isn't, okay, well, I have this opportunity. Let me make the most of it. You know, let me take all the struggles that I've had and do good with it. If you don't have the mindset to want more for yourself and to want to develop yourself, that's, and I, and I was even having this exact same conversation with my friend. I said, that's a very dangerous position to be in because that means that you've given up and there is always hope. You know, this year alone has been a massive, massive learning for so many people because, you know, so many people have lost their jobs. So many people have had such hard um, situations that have had to deal with that. You know, if you'd asked us this time last year, we would not have even thought that you know the pandemic would have come and hit us all like it did it's changed everybody's lives in some way shape or form um but there's so many pockets of beautifulness that have come out of it you know if you were in a job that you didn't really like and you know unfortunately you lost that job that's an opportunity for you to seek out what is meant for you and what is the thing that's going to help you you know the beginning of this year was the height of my depression but then you know the pandemic came and we had to start working from home and you know, things were so different, but it gave me the opportunity to slow down. You know, I have a job where I was traveling constantly for about a year. I was in a different city every single you know month. I was traveling nonstop. That was the job that I prayed for for so long. It was the thing that I always wanted. I always said, I want a job where I'll be doing makeup and I'll be traveling here, there and everywhere. And I got that, you know, God answered my prayers. But after a while, what I wanted shifted, you know, the thing that I was praying for was a thing that really triggered or you know was one of the causes of my depression in terms of making me not feel like I could look after myself enough I was burnt out I didn't have enough time for me to look after myself the way that I should and so when we had to kind of stand still and actually you know look at our lives in a different way because certain things that we were accustomed to changed 
it really had to make me um, take a look at myself and think, well, what can I do to make myself better? So I started going to therapy. I started changing my lifestyle. Um, and I didn't ask for that, but it happened. And so that is a raw example for us to kind of see and think. Sometimes the bad things that happen in our lives aren't always the bad. It's, um, it's a note from God. It's a sign for us to kind of do things slightly differently. And I think having the opportunity or the chance to do things differently is actually a blessing in disguise. And that was a wonderful word. Thank you for sharing that. And how can we get in contact with you? So if anybody's like, okay, how can I find her? I love her. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is your social media or how can we get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is at Adela Buega. So it's A-D-E-O-L-A-G-B-O-Y-E-G-A. And I will link that in the show notes of this episode. Thank so, you. Adela, this was amazing. You oh, have thank you. definitely ministered to me and I know <laughs> to those that are listening. So it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's been an incredible conversation. And thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to kind of speak on your platform, but also for me to kind of look back and you know, even think about the things that I've achieved and where I've come from and where I am now. It's been such a, an amazing journey. So thank you for allowing me to share. You are so welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I will speak to you on the next one. Bye. Bye.